Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. I was inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, author and anthropologist, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums, such as the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture, or the Schomburg, or the Library of Congress's Folklife Museum. I'll share a little bit about me and my family history, and then I'll speak to my guests. I'm a Black American. My dad was African American and Indigenous American. His ancestors were enslaved in Georgia. In fact, we still have our family's slave name, which is Killebrew. My dad, Dr. Terrence Killebrew, met my mom in graduate school at the New School in New York when they were both earning their master's degrees in psychology. And I'm a fourth generation teacher. So my mother is a retired New York City teacher. My grandmother was a teacher on the island of Jamaica for 20 years and then in New York for 20 years. My great-grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica up until she got married. She was the daughter of an Irish woman and a black man. She stopped working after she got married because it wasn't considered respectable for a married woman to continue working in the late 1800s. And ironically, my mother began teaching long after she got married in the late 1900s. So without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest today. Um, my name is Sean Fields. I'm from originally from Farrakwe, New York, but I live now in Roseville, New York, which is in Queens. Um, I think that's about it. Yeah, that's pretty much it, yeah. And what's your ancestry? Uh, I guess I'll be quite, well, I always call myself black. I'm just uh, classified as African-American. My, my family goes back to uh, North Carolina for generations at this point. So yeah, I'm pretty much African-American, but I consider myself black, yeah. Oh, thank you. And I'd love to hear what you'd have to share about living and working during the pandemic. And if you want to start in 2020 and then talk about 2021. Okay. Um, what I clearly remember from 2020 was uh, before everything got locked down, I, I was, I was tutoring, I'm a tutor, basically what I do for a living. So I was tutoring um, high schoolers in the SAT prepping for that Springs test. And what I clearly remember before everyone started getting a lot down, got all the information in America is that I had a group of teenage girls discussing a school trip that they had planned to go to Dubai. I'm trying to figure out a way to like get their class coordinated to go there. And then one girl brought up a, a fact that it was kind of getting weird in Asia with uh, some weird virus coming out of uh, China. They weren't sure if there's like from, from Asia that was going on at the time. So it's like my teenagers telling me this in like, I want to say late January, February. So like I'm hearing this while I'm like while they're on break, I'm hearing them talk about it. So I'm like, I'm not thinking about it, I'm like whatever. 
this kid stuff. <laughs> I don't care about it. And then fast forward to uh, my friend Shaka's having a birthday party, March, that final weekend. And so like we were at the party, like everything's like, yeah, things are going well. People are getting sick, but it's like weird. We don't know what's going on. And then the next week, shutdown happens. So like my school that I was working with, closed. Can't go there. So it's like, all right, you're not going to be able to go and work. Uh, you're going to have to figure out a new way to do this touring thing. But at that time, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was thinking about like, all right, how am I going to survive this? <laughs> like, not, not even financially, it was like, everyone's sick. How am I going outside to get food? Like, I'm, I live in a house with um, pretty much seniors at this point. Like, my mother, my aunt, my uncle, my grandmother at the time. And my main goal was like, I can't, I can't get sick. And they definitely can't get sick. What happens a month later, my uncle gets sick. Full blown COVID. This is before like this is early 2020. So like April, end of March, April 2020. He gets it. He works at a senior center, so he can't go back to work. We have him quarantined in our house, like separately. I'm like signing food, like move it for the door. I'm gonna get your food. We don't know, you don't know like the rules at this point. You just like I gotta feed this man, but I'm not sure if I'm gonna get sick. I don't know if like if you breathe on me wrong, what's gonna happen instantly. So like 2020 was a lot of just guessing and trying to figure things out and pulling things together. And then like at night, you watch the news or just turn on your TV to ignore it. But I live kind of close to uh, Sunrise Highway. And all I hear is ambulances going back and forth because they're on their way to um, Mount Sinai in North Shore. So like they're just speeding down the highway because it's empty, like no one's on the road. So all you just hear is like everything's echoing, like the sounds are everywhere. So this. 2020 was very, very odd. And it's like a lot of figuring things out for yourself, for your family, and using limited information to like move forward. So it was very, this is very weird. Like I went like 2020. And then 2021 was a little bit better because you have more information, vaccine, but it's still like what are the rules, basically. And what I clearly remember as he in a is weird too, because all this time was all this stuff was happening. My niece was moving out of our house to her own place in Brooklyn. So in April, her parents had came up and we were like moving our stuff. So we're driving in Brooklyn, like, like over roads and like, there's no one on the streets with us. So it was just like, we're getting to Brooklyn like 15 minutes to speeding now. Cause no one's gonna stop you. There's no one there. There's no one else on the road with you. No cops around so you can do what you want. So like, it was, I won't say it was good, but it was, it was interesting. It was, it, was, it was an interesting way to live your life. Like no one around, no one getting in your way because no one wants to be outside the house because they don't, they don't know what's going on. Yeah, I remember that because I live in Jamaica, Queens, in the border of Long Island. And one day in 2020, my mom and I went to, I forgot, I don't know if we we're going to Roosevelt Field. We were going somewhere where we could walk outside, and there weren't a lot of people, and there were no cars on the highway. It was, it was surreal. Yeah, like I instantly. Uh, I had a kind of a flashback moment to um, 9-11, which was kind of like the, the, the reverse. Like, there was like cars everywhere that day when I was leaving work. Like, on the highway, it was like, how I got home when 9-11 was um, some random, like, uh, construction guys picked us up on a flatbed as I was walking down Queens, like, Boulevard. It was like, everyone's getting back here, everyone take you home, you get to Jamaica, and then you can figure out your way from there. So it was like, it was like the inverse of that. So I also think that's also helpful, like, if you lived in a city in 2001 or like you were born here, like, yeah, it's kind of crazy because you didn't know it's a pandemic. You don't like know what's going on, but at the same time, you're kind of like your brain's like goes back into emergency savior mode. Like, all right, I gotta save myself. I gotta figure out how to make this work. This I can't use this form of traffic. I gotta figure out this way. I gotta figure out 
new ways to adjust to live in that moment. So it was kind of weird. It was weird and got fun for a second and got weird again. It did. Were you going grocery shopping? Yeah. Well, the thing about my, like I said, I lived in a house with uh, pretty much three generations of people at that time. So we were always used to shopping in bulk. So like when it happened, like that first week, we had already went shopping before. Like we always go to Costco. <laughs> so like everything's always in my house. So I never like, I, I clearly remember laughing at people like, oh, we're just going to get a ton of like toilet paper. I'm like, that's weird, number one. Like, I don't know why you need all that toilet paper, but two, like, oh yeah, we also have a ton of toilet paper downstairs because that's how we shop because we have a bunch of people in this house. So we'll get it and I go just load up a Jeep and just get everything at one shop. So it's this, the, the way of like figuring out stuff, we kind of already have stuff already set up. Like I have a backyard, like, you've been to my house before. Like, in the backyard, we have like a house with like refrigerator and freezer set up already there. So we have, we have food in our house at any time. So it's like, it's gonna suck for a minute, but like we have, we're prepped already. Like we don't do it intentionally, but it just ends up being that way. So, and then by the time uh, we need to go shopping again, it's a little bit easier because we're just kind of like a system in place already. So like, you know, we have to go to, at this time, uh, use these lines, go this way. And then like I said, I live I live with my grandmother, my mother, my uncle, my aunt. Senior citizens, they get like a period in the morning where you go ahead of everyone else. So they'll just all go that time, get their stuff and then get back before noon. So. It was never really like that was never really a hassle in my house uh yeah like there was things were just weird but there was never really like outside of my uncle getting sick like there's never really like anything that was oppressive to me i think about it it's just mm -hmm. figuring out like just figuring out how i'm gonna get from a to b um i was gonna get work done like touring kids you can't schools are closed how are we gonna organize this and that's when you like learn about zoom like all right this is a new thing we have, or it's not a new thing, but it's like a new thing for everyone else to figure out. So like Zoom really helped me out. Uh, the fact that I knew uh, the principal of school I was working with, and since they didn't have kids in there, I could just go there and have a quiet place to work and just do a bunch of my classes there because the only person in school was a janitor and security guard. And it's like five floors and it's just me on the floor by myself. So I had hours to myself, uh, which is cool. It's like easier to like working from home is all right, but it's also easy, like it's good to be in like a place where like I have access to educational materials right there. So that kind of worked out for me. The only weird part about that was the school that I was going to was in the middle of Williamsburg. And this was uh, summer, yeah, summer 2020. So mass manics were in effect, but in like the Hasig neighborhood I was in, like no one wore masks. So this is always weird. Like, I'm like, why are you? not covered up here. This is, uh, like, I'm not taking off my mask, but I don't know what's going on here. Let me just get into the building. I'm not walking around these streets. Because again, we didn't know how uh, susceptible people were, how we transmitted, like how how fast transmitted. But it was also this weird that with this going on, that there's just a population of people that didn't wear masks. And then I saw the same thing when I went to, back to my own neighborhood in Barakway. We were just outside chilling with no masks in 2020. Like, before vaccines, I'm like, what? What is wrong with you? Like, you, you watch the news, you know what's going on. I was like, oh, it's a hoax. And that whole like mindset, I'm like, I can't get behind that. Like, I don't, I'm not gonna go here anymore. Yeah. Wow. It's like I hear, I know that there are people who thought it was a hoax. And I and I remember on the news, um, the Hasidic Jews, they they weren't wearing the masks, like that was their belief. Yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. And I love that image of you like teaching alone in the classroom. Like, but the students are on Zoom. It's so, that's so post-apocalyptic. 
Yeah, it's very, it's very weird. And because the thing was like, like I said it was summer, so they also are in the process of um, we didn't know what could go on the next school year. So they were like, we had to clean everything out. Like I was teaching in an empty, a giant empty room. So it was like no chairs or anything. So I had to go find a janitor. Like, all right, where is your, where are all your like piled up chairs and desks at? So I could, I could need at least one so I could sit down. So I go find that, take it out from the basement and bring it into that room. It's just like every day he cleaned it. I'm like, there's no one in here. It was like, I got cleaned every day before my job. I'm like, all right, just try not to move my stuff or put it in the center, like in a corner so like you don't have to be disturbed by it. But I just remember seeing, because I work during the week, like from Monday to Thursday, and I come in, see security, say what's up to him, be on his glass, uh, go upstairs, and then like halfway through my day, I run to the janitor because that time of day, he found my floor. He's like, are you still here? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I'll be back in like an hour and a half. I'm like, I'll be done by then, and then I'll be on the train, which is also weird too. Like riding the train during that time was, was kind of spooky at times. <laughs> It was, it was great because there's no one on the train, so you can do what you want, but it's also like, there's no one on the train. Yeah. That's right, because at that time, all the people who were homeless were being housed in hotels. So at that point, the trains were completely empty. Yeah, but what was funny about that, there was also on weekends, I had like, I was talking to this girl at the time and she lived in Manhattan and the quickest way for me to get mad instead of going on the train was just take the Long Island Railroad. So I get on a railroad and then go to 34th Street station and it was empty but there's also this cops and then this homeless people it got to the point where like i saw like the same homeless guys over and over again they stopped asking me for money because like i'm like yo you see me every week like you know i give you five dollars and just leave me alone it's like yeah 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 it was always it was like the same group of like five homeless men and women that i saw every week there like they're there's just i had nowhere else like they have places to go but they choose like i'm familiar with this place i'm gonna stay here and this is where I'm going to be at. And that's also when they started doing the construction down there and closing up shops. And like, it's weird now, even now, but it's like, that point was when they had like two shops still open, like the sushi place and like the shoe shine place was still open there. Everything else was closed. So it was like, that was closed. It was just cops and then homeless people. And that's it. So every Friday and Saturday, this me in an empty <laughs> railroad trying to figure out my way back to Queens. So yeah, Missouri is, those first couple months are very weird, very, very weird. Can you describe a 24 hour day of like working and the commute and, and what you did when you came home? Okay, um, well, first of all, I'll get up early, find two masks, a mask, a regular mask, and then a cloth mask and cause doubling up cause like, I don't know what's going on here. Find all my hand sanitizer, pack it up in my bag. I'm like, all right, let's get the show on the road. <laughs> Hop on the, what was I taking? I used the 85 or the 111, wherever one came first. Usually the 111 because it's slightly quicker and it's like 85 is just a single bus, 111 is a double bus. So I usually try to get the 111 because even then, if someone was on a bus with me, I could spread out. Like you go sit in the back, I sit in the front. And that's also time where they had like the front, very, very front with clothes off for the bus driver. Like you couldn't go past the line. Yeah. So like I would get up in the morning, get on a the bus, there'd be maybe at most 10 people on a bus, at most. Because people still had to go to work, especially in, in uh, communities out here, they're still like going to work. And people get, also get up early, go online to get, um, they do like hand out foods at the local uh, churches and stuff around there. So people get up, get those in the morning. So I get to 111, get to Jamaica Center, hop on a J, which was completely empty. And they were like cleaning excessively at that time. Like there was like, all oh, you're doing with clean. The guys are just working, working, working. Take that to um, 
what's up there? They had a flushing, which is right by the hospital, which mm-hmm. is also that Woodhull Hospital, which was uh, the school I teach is down the block from that. Woodhull was also like always crowded. I don't know why it was going on. It's like a weird, that area is just weird anyway, because there's also like K2 addicts out there. And so there's always people on the street. And then on the other side is like a city Jewish neighborhood. So I walk through that neighborhood, get to my school, like I said, say what's up to security, set myself up in the room, and then just do Zoom for like two hours, take a break. Maybe if I had a chance, run out to the gas station across the street from my, my job and get like something to drink all behind, like telling people behind glasses and like excessively like cleaning my hands over and over all day. So I'll do that for a couple hours. And then in the early afternoon, I was like, my days wrapped up. I do the reverse trip, get on a J, go back to 111. And it was weird, like in the afternoons, it was actually like, it wasn't crowded, but compared to what I saw in the morning, got it was crowded compared to that. So it was like, instead of 10 people, it was about to be 20 people on the bus. And even then we were still like, stay away from me. Get home, find something to eat, because usually someone had to figure out how to get like food. And also, because also at the time, my aunt was, um, there's a local school down my street, and like they do uh, hand out, they're handing out, out like fruit and vegetables at this time to like a lot of people. And also in Farrakhan, we were doing the same thing. So my aunt would always get those deals and then come back. And so like there would always be something like set up. And then I just watched the news till I couldn't anymore. And then on mm-hmm. certain days, I had a friend, I had friends at DJ, and that's when we started doing like when D Nice kind of like got it popular. But like a bunch of my DJ friends also did it like during the day. Like if I didn't have to go to work or I could work from home, they would have like a noon slot where they just spend for an hour and like do this uh, typing messages back and forth. So that's also kind of I stayed connected with other people. Like all right, we're all watching like a friend DJ Ayers at the time or um, a friend Fisher Price in Texas. Like that's also how I found like new friends around. The nation because he attracted certain people and then like we connected those people offline and he like uh he did a, a secret center at the time so like you had to send mail to people it was just zoom was very weird at the time but it's it very helpful too because it's how he connected people and then like towards the end of 2020 and beginning of 2021 i think that's when they started the watch parties with um netflix and hbo max where you like just sign and watch movies together. So that was also like a way to relieve stress. <laughs> like, all right, I can't see you, but we could watch this together or Zoom or like we'll just figure out ways to like communicate somehow. Yeah. But then also like, I think I was kind of blessed a little bit because like I said, I live in a house with a lot of family. So like, even though we had kids in the house, so like, I'm like, oh, you guys are annoying me, but I'm like, I'm glad you're around because you're a distraction from other stuff. Like, all right, I have to take these kids out on the back and run them <laughs> around because they're nuts. But like, it's also like, that means I don't have to sit in the house and watch the news, like it's something to do. So yeah, it was, that's pretty much my day. It was just wake up, commute to work, don't see anybody on the train, go to work, see two people, see my kids online, then do the reverse, come back home and then figure out how I'm gonna entertain myself for the rest of the night, pretty much, and then pass out, sleep. And then my brother, at the time my brother works for NTA, so he's doing overnight. So like his, his uh, he has always been constant, like even throughout the pandemic, his work was always constant. Like it might do like, maybe ask him to do overtime, but that's about it. But he's always like, uh, you are some times at three to 11 every day. So like he's like, he's a bus maintenance, so he's like, 
you spent all this time like fixing buses during that time, but that during that time they had everyone like on cleanup duty at that time. So it was like mass. And so like that's also another thing about supplies. Like my uncle and my aunt worked for senior centers and then like my brother worked for NTA. So they all just give them all hand hand sanitizers and like cleaning solutions. So like my house was immaculate because like everyone just brought all this stuff home from work. Like, all right, this is like the extra duty, like official strength to like clean everything out. So I was never worried about like getting sick. And there's also at the same time where like people like uh washing out like all their food and like, all right, this is a lot, but that's what they said do, we're gonna do it. So there was always some options of getting free products to use and like there was always some help that we could find. Like there's always some solution to a problem if you ever had it. But like my job, my day was easier than everyone else's. So yeah, so it was it was pretty basic for especially for the first couple months here. Yeah. You just reminded me that the NTA buses were free because everyone had to get on in the back. Yeah. Yeah. And then like Long Island Railroad did, I think they just started last month or maybe two months ago charging for price because used to be off all off peak the whole time. So yeah. I'm like, I'll take, yeah, I'll take Long Island everywhere because it's cheap. I'll just do it now. You have to wait a little bit, but like, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was great. It was a great time. It was. Well, I bought the monthly pass in March and it was 20% off. And I was like, oh, that's a deal. Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess people still weren't writing it. I don't know. Because yeah. it like, even like I was writing it, like even recently, like even now it's not that. No, that's a lie. It got crowded at the very end of last year we got like there's like times on the train where i'm like all right this is getting back to like levels where i'm, I'm glad i'm masked up i have two masks on because you're standing way too close to me like, there's no yeah. option like and then when we start doing sports like games again like go to men's games or stuff like that it's like it's gonna be crowded because everyone's taking this away everyone goes there so or like um mixed games you know like they get everyone comes out at the same time so like uh penn station's crowded or I did Comic Con last year. Oh. Which is, it was cool. It was, uh, this is my first time, like, in maybe ever. Uh, like, if I did it before, it was, it was way younger than I forgot about. But, like, I went, for, I went with Anthony Rivera. And so everything was uh, mass protocol. You had to show vaccines. It was like, crowd. he's like, it's, it's not, it was light compared to what he's used to. But for me, it was like, this is a lot of people. But everyone's maxed up. Everyone's being very, all right, we're all here, we're all vaccinated. We all have proof of vaccination, so we're all safe here. But even then, it's like, there's a lot going on here. And then, like, I took a long railroad to get there because in the Javis Center, and then going back, it's like, oh, there's a lot of people on the stream, but everyone's masked up anyway because either there's a mask mandate or they're doing cosplay. So they had, like, full-on, like, Spider-Man masks, and, like, they have full things on, so it was kind of cool. But it was also just <laughs> because at that, by that time, I didn't see, I saw people because I went to maybe a club with my friends, which was, like, limits, like, 25% people mission but it was like that was the first time i was with a ton of people and it was all right it's like all right so a lot of people here but i feel okay with this because they were safe about it they planned it out and that was that was the one thing that i kind of i wanted to get back to like there's a lot of things i'm like i don't think we should ever get back to but like that one thing like i like being with a bunch of people as long as it's safe but like being yeah. with a lot of people that worked out that was pretty good Oh, and I wanted to ask you, um, how long did it take for your uncle to get over COVID? Uh, Cause he got it like right at the end of March, beginning of April. It was, Cause like the first week and a half he was just sick. He's like, I probably got it. Like we didn't, we didn't know all the information or anything. And then like one night he's like, yeah, I call, like we call the ambulance and like ENT shows up. Oh. Like, you're sick, but you're not sick enough for us to take you in the hospital because 
hospital full. Like you're like we have, like have people on ventilators. Like you're not ventilators sick now. You're like week sick, you get over it. So like they came, I'd say I want to say like a week and a half into the sickness, and then like maybe three weeks after that, he was pretty much fine and back to work. But that's like I was saying, that's the very beginning of 2020 when that happened. And then um, anyone, I don't think anyone else. Well, my brother caught it. Like say two, no. My grandmother passed. Like right after my grandmother's funeral, my brother caught it. So like two months ago. So uh, he, he like that was left it to him though. He was like he caught it, but he yeah, he was vaxxed up and boosted. He's just like, I feel a little off today, but I'll be fine. And it's funny because you you know you have the testing strips at home. Mm-hmm. You put it on there, wait 15 minutes, and then see if the line comes up. As soon as he touched it, bam, the line was there. I was like, oh, you're very sick. You have like super cold. Like, yeah, like you have COVID and flu. You're doing a lot right now. <laughs> yeah. But that was like, his, his was very relaxed. His was very mild. Like, it was like, he only knew he was sick because he like felt a little off for one day and then he found out that he got from like, his girlfriend because he was hanging out with her after my uh, grandma's funeral. But that's about it. But like, my uncle was sick for those like four, four or five weeks and got over it. Uh, he used to brag a lot before we started getting vaccines. Like, yeah, I'm good. I'm like, no, slow down. We don't know all the information. Let's see what it goes on here. But also save it for me for a week. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I got it, but I think I just had a had a bad flu at that time because I just I kept tasting like chlorine in my like my, my nose. I was like, oh, this this is a symptom. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know if I'm sick or not. I'm only going out anyway, so it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry to hear about your grandmother passing. Yeah, that was uh, not related to COVID at all. Just this bad circumstances and then it just happened. Yeah. yeah. But like COVID, like I, I don't know when anyone directly, I don't think, that I know people are friends of friends that have like passed away from COVID, but like, I don't know anyone. I know people that got sick from it. And that's mm-hmm. about it. But like, I don't know anyone that's, like personally, I don't think that's passed away due to COVID alone related symptoms so everyone else that that passed away i got a cousin that passed away but he committed suicide oh. it was kind of COVID late but it's not like he didn't get COVID, but he's just like he was like in a depressive state anyway and then pandemic happened so it became worse so yeah but i don't know anyone i don't think personally directly that passed away from COVID, oh. which is i guess a blessing yeah yeah i'm, I'm sorry to hear that i interviewed if someone else who said that they knew someone who committed suicide also during the pandemic. Yeah, because this it was just like, if you didn't have, that's why I, was, I said I was lucky I lived in this house because I had a bunch of people, but I had friends like that live alone. And yeah. like, especially for that first, I want to say two, three months, like, what are you doing? Are you like, calling people on the phone, but it's not the same as interacting. Like, people need people. And it's just, if you don't have like a support system right there, like, what are you going to do? I had a friend, she's from Canada. Like I was a support system for basically for like the first couple of months because she couldn't go back. Like you're not you're not allowed out of the country. The, the restrictions, like even like as the restrictions got less, it was like hard to get out of the country. But like for the first couple of months, you're here, you're stuck here. You're, wherever you are, you're stuck there. And if you don't have anyone with you, it, it can get dark. Especially like she lives in the in uh, Lower Manhattan near hospitals. So all she heard all day was this. Ambulances, ambulances, ambulances. So I was like, that's, that gets on you a lot. It's, if you don't have, you don't have anyone to talk to about it, it's just like, it's a lot of work. And my cousin lived in Farakway. Like I said, 
they really didn't follow like a lot of mass many rules and most of people just like so since they didn't follow mass many things a lot of people got sick you know they said it's a hoax they're like a lot of you getting sick and friends are like passing away and so like if you see that all the time and you already have depression from before and other stuff like regular life stuff on top of that it's like it's a bleak picture that you have to see every day so i i, I personally can't see myself ever taking that route but i understood why people went that route and it's like it's heartbreaking it's, it's, it's terrible i can't even wrap my head around it but yeah yeah, yeah. thank you is there anything else that you want to share about living during this pandemic uh outside of my own observation that like there are things that happen that i think we could like we should use as models for change and like we should maybe adopt better uh, strategies like how we like look out for each other in the community like it was bad but we also had we had like services like i said my aunt used to go to uh, schools and they like give out free lunches to kids and they had like systems set up so like we weren't able to get like um, vouchers from the government like there's the community helped you out a lot so like there'll be lines there'll be long lines but they're there for you like everyone looked out for each other and I think we're slowly going back into our old ways of not helping each other out. And that really kind of frustrates me every day. I'm like, you know, we like, it was a bad time, but we did good stuff in that bad time. And also, oh, another thing that happened during pandemic was uh, the whole uh, marching, like people going uh, police mar marches against police violence and things like that. Oh, yeah. I, wanna, I only want to like one or two, because like, first I'm like, I'm not going to do this because it's like cooties in the street. I don't want to be able like, <laughs> But it's like, at a certain point, my friend, um, Sean, who's a photographer, he uh, photographed a lot of my Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So he was out, oh, he's always out in the street. Like, so I'm like, no, I should go because it's something like I also believe in. So I'm like, I'm just going to go out there. Uh, people at the marches were, were pretty responsible as far as um, being clean, distance, being respectful of other people. It's like, because most of the marches that were going on at the time in the city were led by either um, women or young women, definitely women of color and also like trans women. So like everyone was respectful about each other. Like everyone knew what side you're on. You're like, we're fighting for equality for everyone. And also um, COVID was going on at the same time. So we were respectful about like distance, how we greet each other, masks, like even though we're like in a big group, like everyone here is safe. Like we're all gonna be safe from each other. Like everyone that's, people that are like, on the megaphones are separate from each other. We're just chanting behind a mask. We're being loud, we're causing disruption, but we're doing it in a respectful way and also like a safe way. So like a lot of energy, I, I'm not saying it's gone. I just hope that we still had it still here that like we're, the stuff that went on in that period that we can continue to fight, you know, have that same fight. Especially since last week with that, uh, the kid that got shot in Michigan my cop, we had like the fact that we had to keep finding the same fight over and over again. We didn't learn lessons for the like last two years. It's kind of disheartening to me about things. Like we should learn, like we should have learned from this stuff, but we had it. So hopefully we'll figure it out. I don't know. I believe in humanity at the end of the day. I hope we do better. But yeah, like the last two or three, two or three years, we've been, it's been a lot for a lot of people. Like I'm wondering more, I feel like I'm, luckier than most but it also hasn't been easy for me but like there are things that we do together as humanity as a whole and also as a community of black people 
like uh, black and brown people that we can move forward and use like the energy we had then to move forward to do better stuff now. So that's my takeaway from pandemic. Like, all right, it was bad, but the lessons we learned was keeping my in mind and learn those lessons. Thank you. You're one of the few people I've spoken to in our demographic who went to a Black Lives Matter protest. Really? Yeah. I spoke to a 21 year old. She went and I spoke to a retired teacher and she went. But most people our age were just working. Yeah. Like, like when I went to the marches, like I said, it's mostly like younger, usually younger people, number one, and also like heavily uh, lean towards uh, women. Like it's mm -hmm. usually women there. Like running a show, but that's always done purposely too. It's like we want you in the forefront as uh, the voice of this. We don't want to take over from you. So like the older people were like the guys like taking pictures. <laughs> like oh like oh yeah. my friends were like the, those are old guys, and that's how I ended up going to because my friends took pictures. Like I'll show up because it's important. But like it's weird that movements are always about young people doing that action. And it shouldn't be. It should be about all of us. Like it affects all of us. Like folks don't care about your age. Uh, problems don't care about your age, this is it's gonna happen to you. So you should like look out for yourself, especially if you have younger siblings or younger relatives, you should always be out there. But I, I understand also people have kids, you gotta work. I got a friend that I'm like, you should go out more. It's like, I would, but I also live at home with like my two kids and my older uh, senior parents. And I don't wanna get sick out there and then have to go, I'm taking care of my family. So like, I understood, I understood both sides of the problem. Like on one hand, I don't have any kids. You know, I live in the house with kids. I'm like, I can go out there. When I get sick, all right, I, I work from home, so it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Work like, all right, I have to go for a nine to five job. I get sick. I'm a breadwinner. I, I get the I get the process. But like I told them, like, yeah, I get you. A lot of my friends didn't march, but they did contribute some other way. Like they were like, all right, I'm gonna donate here. I'm right. Gonna blast this on social media. I'm gonna do this. this. So like. And marching is, is a young man's game, <laughs> a young woman's game. I, I get it. Yeah. yeah. It was very red when I went out to a march where I saw people that were uh, my age or above. Or actually, no, you're right though. I also saw like very old people there too. Like they were marching before, so like they will keep marching now. Like I gotta watch out for my grandbabies. So yeah, there's like a jump in the middle. Yeah. That's exactly what the woman said. She went with her grandchildren and she went yeah. to protect them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like. Is it's very much like young energy. You need young energy, but you also need like older people there to like guide you. Like, oh, slow down. Like we're marching against cops, but let's also not like get in a fight with the cops here. Right. So I still like saw almost happened at the march I went to before on the bridge. They're like there's always instigators around the crowd that aren't in the march, but they're like on the edges, like saying things or trying to push people. Like this guy almost got in a fight with a DoorDash guy for some reason because of like he like purposely ran his bike into the crowd. I'm like, listen. Let's not even do that. Come on, let's keep moving. Like that's yeah. Like, is this weird? Like people just so upset about people marching, like about rights. Like you're 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 angry at me, say because I'm saying don't kill people that look like me. That's so weird. Like that's where you want to land in history. All right. So it's, it's a very weird time. And then on top of that, like you had a pandemic, so it was like an extra layer of craziness. So this was a very surreal at times. And then when we got like we marched, took like shut down the. Was that the West Side of Highway? We, mm -hmm. All decided to go on the highway, so that was shut down. It was weird though because the people on the streets were like upset, but like the people on the highway, like the, all the cars, they were like honking in support. Like even the one people that stopped, they're like, "We get it. Like I understand. Like I'm not gonna be mad." 
And then it's also like in the middle of coronavirus, it's like, why are you out here driving anyway? Go home. Why are you out here? But is is a weird dynamic during the day. Like you'll get an ebb and flow. Like support, support, support. Then weird, like two or three blocks of people against you, and then support, support, support again. So it was like a long day, but it made you feel better at the end of the day. Like even if like nothing concrete happened that day, just the energy. Like all right, I'm doing something good. I'm also with a bunch of people that are also feel like minded too. You know, they want to do better too. So. Like I said, yeah. young people, old people, and in the middle, people with jobs are like at home. So yeah, <laughs> I, I get it. It makes sense logically, but I also like it kind of upsets you at times. Like, all right, I'm out here. You should be out here. But true. Yeah. Much, you know? yeah. True. Wow. Thank you, Sean. I'm telling yeah. you what, I'm trying to get the all of our recordings into museums. And one of my friends is telling me to reach out to the Schomburg and also the Smithsonian and the Library of Congress. So once they're accepted by a museum, I'll definitely have an event. I don't know if it's gonna take a year or this year, but yeah, I'll definitely right. invite everybody and we can all. <laughs> yeah, definitely let me know. But this, I think this is a, a wise thing. This is a smart thing to do. Like, especially like uh, for communities of color, I think we're talked about, we're never talked to a lot. Yes. That's exactly how I felt. They're talking all about Latinx people, Asian people, Black people, but they're not talking to us. Yeah. yeah. And also on top of that, like you say, like like we talked about, we don't talk to them, and also we're not a monolith. <laughs> like it's different, like the process in that, like my people in this community, or even though it's like five miles away from my old community, they have totally different thought processes as far as everything, especially with coronavirus. Like my, this community was much, there's still like people that are like wearing masks out here, but I felt they're much safer out here than opposed to going home to Fort Rockway where you're like lawless, <laughs> like we do what we want. So it was like, we there's not uh, a street, one thing you plan for everybody of color or everybody that's even black or anybody that's like all Caribbean Americans or all like African Americans. It's like, there's variety and you should hear everyone's opinion on it to see like, make a full picture of the whole thing. And like, even going back to uh, Farakway, I was gonna wear a mask. I was gonna, be, but I also understood like where people come from initially with like, oh, this is planned. Especially when the vaccine came out, like I'm not gonna take a vaccine, blah blah. blah. I'm like, I get the process because history, <laughs> like, it's like right. history of here, Puerto Rico, like places where they like the experiments of people out there not, like they lied to them. Yeah, it's valid. But at the same time, I'm also like, I'm gonna get it because. I live with people, I think it's safe. Like a bunch of rich people, white people got it before me. So if they're getting it, I think I'm be cool. But you, you, you can't argue that much against lo like logic logic, and uh, historical bad things that happen in history to people of color. You can't, like, I understand both sides of it. I know where I stand, but I get it. I'm not gonna agree with you, but I understand, you know? So, yeah. yeah. It's always weird to me like when they were painting a picture like, oh, black communities aren't getting the vaccine. I'm like, is that it? Number one, is that it? And also number two, like there are a lot of like white people I saw in this line in like uh, Bed-Stuy, which is weird because like I don't see them normally, they showed up. So it wasn't like black people aren't getting it or that these white people came from our community and got it before everyone else. And that's why they're not, there's no vaccines for these people. So. And also just access to it. Like we didn't get, um, testing we didn't have a vaccine center in Rosedale. It's not I had to get my vaccines at uh 
the mall in Queens. I had to go to Queens and then like oh. I had to get my booster. Luckily, the last time I got my booster was in Farakway because they finally like, all right, we need to set something up out here. But like, there's places where you just gonna get access because you have to go you live far away. You have to go somewhere else. You have to do this. I'm like, is, is it because people don't want it or you don't have access to it or you're not getting getting provided with it? So to paint this weird picture of like black people don't do this or uh, Latin X people don't do this or like Asian people don't do this, or, it's like no, it's just some people don't do it because of reason. Also, some people don't do it because they don't have access to it. And you're like making it harder for them to get this stuff. So you can't just say this is just how it's going to be because it's all these people of color. No, it doesn't work that way. So that what upset me a lot about this whole thing. Like, yeah, you're, not, you're saying a lot of stuff that's not true. It's yeah. Like it's also like misinformation and like a bunch of things. I'm like, even from the news, because like everyone's talking, like everyone in the news, like everyone's talking, want to be the first about it. like saying something like, let's slow down, figure out information, and then work from there. Like, there's this crazy rumors at the end of the pandemic, and like, is spread through this way, it comes from this test, and like, just stop. Do you have to do? Say, master, wash hands, stay home, and then work from there, figure out, we're going to get through this, we'll figure it out. Or we're not, like, we're just going to figure it out somehow. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. Like just exactly what you said, the black community is it's not a monolithic community, and and the news talked about us, but it really didn't talk to us. And I was, I just didn't like the narrative that basically we all have these pre-existing conditions, therefore we're all ending up in the hospital because we have unhealthy eating habits. And I was like, this, so we need a new narrative. Yeah. So. And then also that. that that would get me to even before like uh, the pandemic started. This idea of a pre-existing like, condition, like also you just mean like your health, your history of health. Like that's some people communities are like that, or not even some communities. Like some people are just like that. And this some of that stuff you have control over, some of it you don't have control over, and you have to right. like, work it out. And this, yeah. this like our this pandemic was bad, like I said, but there are lessons to be learned here. And I, I think one of the big lessons were was that certain assessments that we have in place aren't as effective as it should be, especially yeah. like healthcare. Healthcare is not as effective as it should be. Uh, education is great, but also the way it treats the people that work in education isn't as great as it should be. Like there's yeah. things that we can learn from this that we're choosing to ignore at this point now. Like number one, the pandemic isn't over. And then number two, we should change stuff. We shouldn't go back go back to where we were. Like people always like, I want to go back. Like, no, you want to go back to be relaxed, but progress to happen there has to be some uncomfortable moments and like people have to sacrifice a little bit to get something greater and if you want a better future you have to give up a little bit now and as far as uh like even like i said my grandma passed away it wasn't related to covid but you had to deal with covid restrictions and process with visiting her like there were like two people a day and then became one person a day and then um the staffing sure was there because like they only had like one nurse for a whole floor of people, which is crazy to me, but I also understood because the way they paid them is not correct, and like medicine costs. It's, just, it's a whole bunch of things that could be changed that we just choose, especially in this country, choose to ignore and not change. And I just don't understand it. So I'm getting off topic. <laughs> that like I think like a lot of it is just the past two or three years should have taught us lessons, and we're just purposely forgetting them now in the name of evil. I don't even know what, maybe capitalism, maybe something else. I don't know. Just, we're not learning for some reason. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sean. I really appreciate your time. I know you had a long work day. So thank you for your no time. Problem.
Um, and I'll, I'll email you the link once it's up um, yeah. sometime this week. All right, I, I, I'll look out for it. But yeah, this is like I said, this is a good plan, good good idea. And no matter how long it takes, I think you're doing good work. So even uh, if it takes you a minute, this is good stuff. So yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I follow you on Spotify. I got this like you're like on my Spotify. Oh, you place. do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> so, know if I'm gonna find my followers. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you're doing it, but yeah, I definitely like because definitely when you announce it. When you first started, I'm like, let me just add this to my Spotify list. But yeah, you're on my Spotify list. So yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how you follow find followers, in, but yeah, I'm on that list. So thank you. Can you give me five stars? <laughs> no problem. Oh, see. Thank you. Oh yeah, I forgot you can follow people on Spotify. Yeah, they give you like updates, like whenever someone uploads something new, it just pops up on your like alarm system. But yeah. Nice. Your interview with uh. With the latest one. Uh, five hours ago. Yeah, Taekwon. Do you know yeah. him? He was in prep, but he was way after us. Yeah. Yeah, I probably don't know him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely call you because this popped up on my. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's only like six years out of college, so. Oh, yeah. he's, he's a big. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you, Sean. Definitely. Oh, enjoy the rest of your Monday night. Thank you. Do the same. Do the same. All right. All right. Bye. <laughs>